When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton from the Barca Black team here in New York, and I am joined across the pond by Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN and BarcaBlack.com. You can follow our show notes with the show at tbpod.link backslash 33. That is, again, tbpod.link backslash 33. Frances, I'm back. It's not just you alone anymore, so what are you and I talking about today? I am so happy you're back. You know, we've been talking over before the show and I know that everything went fantastic and I'm really, really pleased for you. Hopefully our listeners didn't sort of get tired of me in the previous show. Uh, I did try my best, and um, but I am delighted you're back. So thank you for, for being here. Yeah, Frances, I uh, have to admit my fiance was okay the, the day before the wedding, actually. So we got married on Sunday, and on Saturday, I was able to sneak in a few minutes of the game on the weekend, didn't have my full attention, but then, of course, I was able to watch the entire game that we're going to talk about today in Juventus. That is great, but don't get used to it because, um, yeah, you, don't, you won't always get away with everything you want to do. I'm sort of telling you from experience. Right, let's get to it. In episode 33 of the Barcelona podcast, we're going to focus on the Juve analysis. Obviously, it was a great game for Barca, fantastic win. Then we're going to look at a new name, someone called Maxime Lopez, who um, is getting the squad scout's attention. Then we're going to preview the Getafe game and very, very pleased that we have time to include some listener questions today. And thank you to everyone for sending them in. So the Barcelona podcast starts right here. 
So I think the basic things that people know about the Juventus game, there's been plenty of media responses, and even you, Frances, on Barcelona blog had player ratings and some match stats. So we're going to go through a little bit of those, of course. Barcelona, 3-0 winners over Juventus. It's surprising if you're listening to this podcast and don't know that by yet. And you're not aware that Lionel Messi had quite a day with a brace. He had one at the end of the first half where he took half the field after a feed from Dembele and then a little quick one-two with Luis Suarez. And then Messi made it look easy, cutting Juventus. But it did take the whole first half for Barcelona to break down the Giants from Italy. The second goal meshed in the middle there. Messi again on that right wing this time. And it bounced off a few people. And finally, Ivan Rakitic was able to convert with a wide open net for goal number two. So a convincing 3-0 win. Some of those bigger stats, as you would put in your article, Frances, 63% possession for Barcelona. They were outshot 13-9. But the number that matters at the end of the day is always going to be that 3-0 scoreline. And as far as passing, they had more than 700 passes, while Juventus was just around 415 on the evening. So, Frances, on this one, instead of going through each and every player, the last show you had a special little segment on your own on solo, and we're going to bring it back to the show how with both of us, and it's our five-star players. Well, you'll run through five players, and I don't know what your list is, so we're going to try to see if we have a similar five-star players list for this game against Juventus. Yeah, let's see how this works without doing this together. So, uh, first player, so one star, is Jordi Alba. He has grown enormously this season, and uh, that is quite obvious. I think the fact that Neymar departed, we, the vast majority of us, I for one thought that Barca was going to not necessarily struggle, but find it hard to, to fill in the gaps. But apparently, and for what we've seen so far, Alba is the one that's taking Neymar's role coming all the way from the back line. So it is great to see that Alba is in a way back to life. He's, um, <laughs> he's a little angry squirrel again, which we like to see. Uh, you can see that sort of pushing rivals and getting involved and having that eagerness to win that he had, say, two, three years ago. That all seems to be back and it is great to see. He seems to be much more eager and capable of linking with Iniesta, but especially Messi, given Messi's newest position as a false striker. And um, I'm really, really pleased that Alba contributed to the, f- to the fourth consecutive game with Barca keeping a clean sheet. So the one star goes for Jordi Alba. The two stars go for Don Andres Iniesta. He's got his magic spark back. He looked much sharper and in a way he looked 20 years younger. Actually, wait, no, because that makes it 13. So not 20 years, but several years. Let's say six, seven. Um, he was much more eager to be incisive. He sort of jumped on the pitch with a mission, and that was breaking Juventus down. And he managed to do that. I thought that at 33 years old, it is impressive to see what Iniesta can still do. And um, there was no signs of declining whatsoever in the games against Juventus. Obviously, when plenty of matches sort of have been accumulated in his legs, there may be a different story. And that is sort of Alberde has that challenge in order to keep him fresh for the rest of the season. But his stats were incredible. 92% pass accuracy, seven duels won, four dribbles, one key pass and one assist. Iniesta was, in a way, back to the best we've seen him in the last definitely two, two years. So that was great, great, great news. And those two that I have to agree with, Frances, with Jordi Alba and Andres Iniesta in that order, they work so well together, and that's why they both should be clumped in as 
definitely five of the most important players that Barcelona had and best in that game. We're seeing, and you've also posted on our Twitter, you can check those out, some of those heat maps that uh, on where spatially some of the Barcelona players set up. And, and you referenced it, Frances, that Jordi Alba isn't replacing Neymar, of course, on that left wing. But where they set up on the field, in essence, Jordi Alba is. Because Samuel Umtiti is farther over to the left than basically just a two in the back. Because Sergio Busquets this year is dropping farther and farther towards the defense. But that's okay because those wing backs in Jordi Alba and a player I don't know, but I guarantee you're going to bring up in Nelson Semedo, are farther up the field on those wings. And Iniesta, instead of being in the middle of the field with Nessie in that false nine possession, who's a little bit deeper, not necessarily not, uh, no longer a forward, but closer to the midfield and keeping sure that they're not just distinct separated lines, but as we've talked about in previous shows, that things are much more fluid. That said, Alba almost being as a left wing and Umtiti behind him as this left back slash center back, left back option, then Iniesta doesn't necessarily have to move around as much as he used to. He can play closely to Alba, who's out on the wing. And the important note to that is you said that he looks like a younger, rejuvenated Iniesta. Well, I would say that other than that one spectacular run in the beginning of the game where he got fouled right outside the penalty box, Iniesta is a step slower. He's 33, and it, it, no matter what we want to do, he is slower. However, Valverde's system is working perfectly to bring out the best that Iniesta still has left. And I think that's the great point, that Iniesta doesn't have to do all the hard defensive work that he had to do with Enrique last year. And that also comes as a byproduct of Barcelona being very, very purposeful with their pressing. So Iniesta can merely just, after Barcelona turned the ball over near the opposing goal, he can merely set up in the correct positions as opposed to having to seem like he's chasing the game defensively. And that's just because of how close he is to Alba, Alba's going to be the guy who's going to press forward, and Iniesta can shut down those passing lanes, which defensively is what he does better. And so we're getting the best out of both those players because Neymar isn't occupying that that spot on the left because it's Luis Suarez who is still more central than he might be just hugging the touchline like we saw Neymar do. Yeah, and similarly to Iniesta then, it's very similar to the points you made as well, um, our three stars go to Ivan Rakitic. Uh, the Croatian international has been revitalized this season. Um, he was spectacular against Espanyol and he continued his form of late against Juve, being a key player in a midfield. He was really confident. He was always eager to collaborate and connect with uh, those around him. I really like the fact that he can see when Semedo is zooming past him and he's able to sort of drop alongside Busquets and uh, creating a double pivot in there whenever it's needed, but obviously not all the time. He was hugely supportive of uh, the different teammates he had around. He was able to interchange positions. He could drop into, say, the false striking, so the striker position, uh, whenever Messi sort of comes deeper. To be honest, for me, Rakitic is the best non-signing of the season. It's not someone we signed, but it looks like we got a new player thanks to the new manager and the fact that Maybe some pressure got off his shoulders once, once Luis Enrique left. So his fantastic world rate was definitely appreciated. Um, averaging around 80 passes per game in the last four matches. And his pass accuracy is around 93%. So fantastic news coming from Croatia in that respect. Um, four stars, as you sort of foresaw earlier, go for Nelsinho, Nelsinho Semedo. Um, he's becoming a fan favorite already. Um, I wasn't in the stadium, unfortunately, this time round, 
but um, I could hear from the TV some sort of run run, which is um, the noise that that's how we call the noise that the fans make in um, in Catalonia in the Camp Nou, and there was sort of a little bit noisy when Semedo did something spectacular. That is a chant in the making. So in a couple of months or maybe even earlier, I'm sure that we will hear some Semedo. Semedo coming from the Camp Nou because he has been spectacular. Um, something very telling. Right after the game, as a um, vast majority of our listeners know, I was tweeting desperately throughout the game, trying to get all the points across. And if you follow that, please let us know on the comments. Um, just tweet us back or go on our Facebook or wherever you want. Uh, because, you know, I really enjoy the collaboration. People were very, very active, um, like Charlie, James, Cristo, and many of our listeners as well. So that was great. So back to the point, right after the game, I published a little tweet that was a Twitter poll as to who they considered the game, the, the man of the match was. And although Messi was clearly spectacular, 7% of our followers, of our listeners, went for Semedo as the man of the match. He was really influential. He was secure in the ball. He didn't take that many risks, but when he accelerates, he's pretty much uncatchable, which is fantastic. He was far more confident than in previous matches, and he was good then. And his athleticism is 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 beyond words. Um, there is there is a word that I want to bring up is sobrao. If you understand Spanish, sobrao is what Semedo is. Sobrao means basically he's got too much. You know he got, he's got too much to give, and in a way his athleticism and stamina overflows. And uh, that's that's what it is. Lencino sobrao Semedo from now on. And then to to top it all up after the game, he speaks to the cameras and says that Dani Alves is his reference. And uh, he's only beginning, and that's where he needs to get to and even surpass it. So, uh, full points for Semedo, four stars from us. Definitely a great, great signing. I have very little to add for Nelson Semedo, other than, as you had just mentioned, his Danny Alves comments. I'm impressed by the fact that instead of trying to cower away from comparisons to the Brazilian, instead the Portuguese right back is saying, I have a model and I want to be as good as I possibly can be. And I want those Danny Alves comparisons because I want to live up to them. And that says a lot about the faith that not only the coaching staff has already shown in him, but clearly the faith that his teammates have shown in him as well. Being a new signing, coming in for the number that he did, 35 million euro, he seems to have fit really well. And just tactically, another little thing about Nelson Semedo is because of his speed, and not that Sergio Roberto wasn't good enough at the right back position last year, but Nelson Semedo's just breakaway speed and work ethic and energy on that right wing. By trusting in Semedo's speed and then PK's positioning on the center forwards, that's what allowed all of what we just talked about with Alba, Iniesta, and Luis Suarez on that left side. It's what allows all of Barcelona to be logjammed on the left because they trust Semedo in one-on-one situations to get back against counterattacks and do it well. And the yellow card that Semedo picked up in that game was because Juventus was on the break. And even though he got the yellow for the professional foul, you notice that that was really the one and only time in the game when your heart kind of stopped as a Barcelona fan and you wondered if this was a counterattack that we saw that Real Madrid was able to do properly in the Supercopa. But instead, Nelson Semedo had the speed to get back, took the professional foul, took the yellow, but then was really, really clean for the rest of the game and didn't pick up any other disciplinary issues and used his speed in the correct positioning. And so Nelson Semedo, 100% have to agree with the, with the 
four stars for him. Now, the one we do disagree, though, on Frances is, while even Rakitic had a really good game and it is very bright to the season, whether it's because he's feeling pressure from Paulinho getting signed and coming in, or whether Rakitic knew that he didn't have a great year last year, and so you know what he's capable of, and you saw the kind of game he played against Juventus in the Champions League final win in 2015. He was able to replicate that form now two years later. And for Rakitic... I think you could have convinced me that he deserves the three stars because he's going to play that unceremonious role this year. You can tell. It's Busquets has his role, playing the Busquets role that it's named after. Then you have Iniesta doing what he's doing on the left side. But Rakitic is going to have to be the engine. He's going to have to make some nasty tackles. He's going to have to put his body on the line, which is what he did plenty of times. I remember in particular there was one moment when there was a a misplay to Rakitic. So instead of allowing the defense to get out on the counter, he threw his body at the ball and was able to toe poke it backwards to his own goal to the defense, obviously in the other half of the field. But just because he was willing to put his body on the line like that and work hard, that helped Barcelona keep possession. So while Rakitic, I think, had a great game, very rarely are we going to look at important parts that he had of skill as to why Barcelona doing as well as they did. See, for me, the three stars would have went to Sergio Busquets, who was, in in truth, more invisible, but because he was doing all those Busquets things right. And Juventus didn't look as strong on the counterattack because Busquets was always in the right position. And last year, when Barcelona were lacking some form, it was because Busquets was lacking form. And now that Barcelona are clicking on all cylinders, you'll notice that Busquets is also clicking on all cylinders. And so I think the success of Busquets... And obviously, we know who the five stars are going to go to in this game. But other than that man, I think Busquets is just it's the most important guy that Barcelona need to have in form to play the way they want to play. Yeah, I can definitely be convinced of that as well. I think and we saw it when Iniesta and Busquets both went on international duty uh, to play for Spain. If they're surrounded by hardworking sort of informed midfielders, they are still excellent players. And that's what's happening with Busquets because Rakitic is doing his job at both ends of the pitch and he's got that sort of physicality and eagerness to get involved and, and support. Then Busquets' game is is better, you know. And the thing with Busquets, and he's one of the, I would say, very few players in history, that the less you see of him, the better a game he's had. So uh, let's move on to our five stars. I think um, no one really expects this because it's really hard to tell that. Lionel Messi gets the five stars from the Barcelona podcast this week. I find it hard to talk about Messi, you know, because he's been with us for so many years and he's done so many tremendous things that, you know, works words really don't do injustice. You know, I would just say five stars, forget about it, see you later. But, you know, let's get a little bit deeper. But Messi is just Messi. He's the unexpected. He is magic he is everything for us and for us and to be honest he's everything for football i know that there's people that keep going on about ronaldo ballon d'Or, whatever but messi is joy and, and and that that is what he brings that is what he means for for us and for anyone who is not that hugely biased that understands football they really need to know that and really need to realize that messi is something beyond belief um he started the season in style, seven goals in four matches. He's hit the post five times already, so he could have actually had 12 goals in those four matches. He's playing much more close to the area, which is really is enjoying. But obviously, that is meaning that Suarez, in a way, is yet to find his ideal position. 
and uh, that is something that Valverde needs to work together with the Uruguayan star in order to make sure our two biggest stars, Suarez and Messi, are both comfortable. But I think that with, in time, that will come. Similarly to Alba, Messi is becoming better without Neymar because his vision has always been exceptional, but in a way he can now be more selfish whenever it's needed. Like I don't like going into detail of, of goals, but I'll make a little exception here. On the last goal, the last Messi goal, Alba is zooming past him on the left wing and vast majority of people in world football would have just decided to give it to give it to the winger that's coming with f- further speed and sort of position yourself so you can get a potential cross. But he didn't do that. He continued to go because he's confident and he knows that it doesn't matter whether he passes the ball. It doesn't matter if he messes up. He's got that level of of greatness and, and understanding of, of his role within the team that he decided to to do a chupada, which in Spanish is just sucking the ball, which in football terms means this ball I'm keeping, I'm doing whatever I want with it. Uh, quick one-two with Suarez and then the ball is at the back of Buffon, which um, to be honest, and little point as well, he's never beaten Buffon. Well, there's two goals for you. Um, I think that Messi is spectacular and his performance against Juventus will go next to his golden book of fantastic games. Um, 92% of our Twitter followers decided that and agreed that Messi was the man of the match. So great, great, great to have him with us and performing at this level. And this year, he does seem to have that, that little spark back that not necessarily was missing last year because you look what happened at the Bernabeu, but Messi this year where against a Champions League opponent, against a team that knocked you out last year, you're 30 minutes into the game. Barcelona has 65 plus possession in the game. Then all of a sudden, Messi just started to combine a little bit more. There just seemed to be a little bit of urgency that picked up with him. And he's been pressing all season defensively. And, and again, that's what it always is about Messi, that when he's working that hard on the defensive end of things, and we're going to talk about rotations a little bit later in the show. But for now, just looking at what Messi's been able to do this season is remarkable, not because of the seven goals in the four games, but because of how easy he's making everything look. When that first goal happened, my new wife and I were sitting on the couch watching it, and I made her sit and rewatch the goal on three or four or five times on the, the rewind because of how easy it looked when I saw it. It seemed like this world-class team like Juventus was just you know, a weekend team playing pickup because the way Messi just knew that it was him in on goal when he was in his own half of the field. He just started the run and a good job by Barcelona to help him get ready where Dembele, very unselfish, instead of taking it himself up the right wing, just gives a a little 12-yard pass into the mid all of the field where Messi was streaking. Messi takes it himself all the way to the penalty box, a little one-two with Suarez, and then he finishes with his patented left foot in the bottom corner, and Buffon couldn't do anything about it. And it just happened so quickly that it seemed like everyone was standing in quicksand. And that just is the magic that is back with Messi. And I think that's what, even though he hasn't signed that extension, that's maybe in the back of our minds. But what Messi is able to do when he is hitting this kind of form, his top peak form, it reminds you that between Messi and Ronaldo, no comparison between the two, but the two of them together have completely revolutionized the game. And And when those two are gone, the two in tandem, football will have a different landscape and fans won't get to see 
just that absolute supreme level. These these generational or more than generational, but these sport defining players that have absolutely changed the sport completely. And against a side like Juventus, it's not one game, but it's the fact that Messi has done this over the course of his career. But yesterday was just another chapter in the book, the, the, the illustrated book of the flea who just has these unbelievable moments where he makes everyone around him look subpar. Definitely. I think before we move on from the Juve game, I just want to say that this really was the first true measurement of, of where we are in terms of, of this season. Obviously, we got a proper beating and deservedly so against Real Madrid in La Supercopa. But ever since, the team has bounced back up and they're performing fantastically well. I think that, you know, while we can be positive about the game and, and the different sort of standout performances and, and rightly so, let's not forget that until Messi scored the goal, the game was really tough, really even. We accelerated whenever was needed, but Juventus pretty much had the measure of us. Uh, we did struggle to break Juventus because they were really structured. They were pressing us high, so Piquet and Umtiti were not able to sort of build from the back um, as comfortably as, as they would have liked. Juventus' solid backline seemed unbreakable until sort of Messi um, appeared and, and changed everything. His um, options in midfield were suffocated by the Juve midfielders as well. And they were very dangerous when countering and transitioning from defense to attack. So we cannot forget that, you know, if Messi hadn't unbalanced the game when he did, and obviously that was a defining moment as well because of timing, the game could have been very different. But, you know, luckily we are where we are, three points um, in our tally from the Champions League and uh, a step closer to the knockout stages. And the one final note is we may have not put PK, Umtiti, or Ter Stegen in our five stars or even spoken about them yet. But right now, Ter Stegen in a really good bout of good form as well since that Super Cope. Um, he has not allowed a goal in 411 minutes and counting right now. The record by Victor Valdez in the 2011-2012 season is still ways off. It's 896 minutes. But having got through the Juventus game without conceding a goal is something important for the German goalkeeper who is in form and who's just another piece of the puzzle and I think we'd be remiss not to mention him as well. While we're going to move on from the Juventus game, we'll talk about periodically throughout this season when we get wind of some kind of transfer window for either January or the summer. This is one where Barcelona and Real Madrid are both being linked with a player, but not just a little bit linked, but pretty heavily linked as a 19-year-old midfielder from Marseille, a player who likes to play forward in the, I don't want to use the Iniesta role, but I'll say the creative midfielder role. And being 19 years old, this French midfielder, Maxime Lopez, being linked to both clubs has good reason to consider both, where, of course, the Frenchman Zinedine Zidane has looked at Lopez and has spoken kindly about him. And so he's got a little bit of a connection there, where Zidane has some pull in France. Meanwhile, for Barcelona, Andoni Zubizarreta is currently at Marseille, and so he could help with negotiations, or in the same respect, he could hurt. And Lopez, the other thing being only a year younger than Usmani Dembele, they've been known to have a friendship, so that could potentially, in the same way that Danny Ceballos went to Real Madrid because of Asensio in part of their friendship, that maybe Dembele could help get Lopez. So a lot going on here, and Frances, I don't know if this is just a lot of smoke, or if this is just another one of his examples where... I think Barcelona might want the player because Real Madrid do and vice versa. Yeah, I th- <laughs> yes, I think that's what it is. Um, I think that obviously he's a great player. I can't claim that I've watched him 
played that many times. Obviously, this rumor only came up um, in the beginning of the week, so I'm still to watch him play for the full 90 minutes. And as our listeners know, I don't want to say anything much about any player until I've actually seen them play myself. Um, my understanding is that he's got a great first touch. Uh, he is a player who, as you mentioned, likes pushing from the midfield into striking positions. And Zinedine Zidane um, knows him well because his sons, or one of them at least, um, played with Maxine Lopez while they, they were progressing through the ranks. So I don't want to say too much about if Sibas are ready, etc. But I think it's interesting to see that Barca is being linked with a midfielder at 19 years old. And, you know, you you have made this point repeatedly throughout our previous episodes. That is the sort of age that we want to be looking at. Obviously, we've got Carlos Alagna in Al Barca B. So is Maxine Lopez better than Alagna? Not sure. I haven't seen Maxine Lopez play, but Alagna is very, very good indeed. And he's already with us. So taking everything with a pinch of salt is a necessity. But I think it's good to see that the, the, the age that Maxine Lopez has and the potential ahead, that would be a good linking story. But I don't know how much weight there is in it yet. Yeah, also with this story, you have to remember that while Real Madrid have gotten all of these players, all the young players we talked about in the first team, they also have that situation in Martin Odegaard, kind of a little bit of a black spot on the record until Odegaard, who's still a teenager, by the way, the, the Norwegian midfielder, until he comes of age and is able to get consistent first team minutes or breaks into Real Madrid, he is the current harrowing tale between Barcelona and Real Madrid about what happens when a teenager who both of them want and Real Madrid pushed hard to get Odegaard harder than Barcelona. And so when Odegaard went as a, I believe it was either 15, I think he was 16 when he went to Real Madrid, he played in their youth system, but he thought he was first team ready. And now he's been on loan in the Netherlands for a bit. And so his career kind of was diverted because he chose one of the big play, one of the big clubs and so I, just with any player like this, while I would love Barcelona to be going after those kind of players, I wouldn't want to jeopardize a young, promising player's career by making that kind of career move when he's not ready to play for a Barcelona. And that's always that double-edged sword w- with any player at all. So obviously Barcelona won't be able to sign Lopez if they do in time for the weekend, where they've got a matchup with Hatafe, And Hatafe right now, who were picked as almost favorites in La Liga to be relegated last year. The same was in preseason predictions this year, that Hadafe would be one of those three teams to go down. But so far, they're doing pretty well. They're coming off a win against Leganes, 2-1 after losing to Sevilla, 1-0, and then drawing Athletic Bilbao, 0-0 draw on that one at the beginning of the season. So they have a win, a loss, and a draw. And Hadafe are kind of figuring out what they are right now. They have a 35-year-old center forward that La Liga fans will remember in Jorge Molina, who's been around for a little bit. And then some new faces to be introduced to. And probably the brightest so far, including 21-year-old Senegalese winger Amat Ndaye from Atletico Madrid. He's a permanent transfer. 22-year-old Spanish winger Alvaro Jimenez from Real Madrid Castilla. And a bit of a complete unknown at defensive midfielder. And I, I promise, Frances, if you hadn't watched Lopez, this is a player that you've never seen before. It's a 21-year-old defensive midfielder, Uruguayan, Mauro Arambari, who is currently on loan from Club Atletico Boston River in Uruguay. So I actually had to look that one up. They're in the first tier in the, in the Uruguayan first division. And he's kind of come out of nowhere. And sometimes, Frances, it's helpful to be a player and in particular, quite a few players for Hitafe that the rest of La Liga doesn't really have the scouting report on. We're going to say the same thing we say every week for Barcelona, that if you're going to beat Real Madrid, who have dropped points so far in La Liga, 
Barcelona have to take care of business against teams like Hadafe. Undoubtedly. I think when Barca, if, they, if we are to be successful this season, which we definitely have got all the skill and all the sort of squad to do, then we need to win against Getafe and every team that supposedly and predictively is going to be in the bottom of the table. I think that looking at Barca, I would like to see Valverde rotating a little bit more. Um, obviously, you don't want to break a winning team, but the thing is, unless you rotate players now, then when, say, March, April, May comes, the, the, the 11 starters could be far more tired than necessary and your, say, squad players, they will be totally out of the loop. So I think this is a great occasion to rotate. I would say Ter Stegen would stay in goal. And on the back line, I'd like to have Mascherano again. And on Sai Piquet, I think that, you know, a player of his importance um, within the squad, not not necessarily on the pitch, but also off it, needs to have playing time. So Mascherano and Piquet in the centre. I would keep Jordi Alba because he's on fire. I would actually give Semedo some rest, not that he needs it, but in order to get Alej Vidal a little bit more involved so that, you know, he actually provides sort of competition for that starting place. In the midfield, I will have Busquets um, as a given sort of thing. But I would really would like to have Sergi Roberto start in this time round. I know he came on as a late substitute in the previous match, but um, having him starting from the beginning in order to continue to feel important, that would be great. And um, because of his skills and performance so far, I will keep Rakitic in the starting eleven, um, and also granting Iniesta some rest. I would say Dembélé needs playing time. In a way, he's the player in the squad that needs it the most. So Dembélé, for me, starts. Obviously Messi, and then Suarez, hopefully with a little bit more guidance for from Valverde as to what is expected on his new sort of slightly to the left winger position, although he's not a left winger because... As we explained before, that seems to be Jordi Alba just zooming past everybody. So for me, that's the starting eleven. Obviously, it's pretty much impossible to predict what's going to happen, particularly if there's going to be some rotation going on. But as you explained, I expect Barca to win the game. I would say a 2-0 win for Barca is definitely possible. And that's my prediction. And hopefully we can end up with another clean sheet. So let's see what happens. Well, our first listener question of the day is related directly to this rotation. It comes from Mike, and he asked, like all Kool-Aids, I'm excited about the urgency, energy, and aggression the team are playing with right now. And he says he made a little joke here, of course. It seems the rumors of Barca's death have been greatly exaggerated. But this style of Valverde is going to have to find a way to rotate the squad frequently, or they'll burn out and fade in February or March, as we've seen in years past when they weren't able to capture the Champions League. So he asked us, how do you see him rotating the squad in upcoming matches? And do you think even Messi will need to take some games off in the coming months if he's going to continue the tenacious play we have seen from him? I think the answer is with a new manager in Valverde, I think it might be a little too early in his tenure for Valverde to say to Messi, can you sit if Messi doesn't want to sit? But for the games that Valverde might be able to convince Messi to take a seat, it's a really easy fix there. You just start De La Feo and Dembele on the wings, and then you move Luis Suarez back in the middle. So a pretty simple fix in case Messi ever needs to take a seat throughout the season. I don't think that happens yet because of how early it is still in the La Liga campaign, the Champions League campaign, particularly also in the form that Messi is in. He's not going to want to take a seat. Now, for me, my gut reaction says that Valverde, because of his track record at Bilbao, 
We saw for a good number of time that while, yes, he did use youth, he was big on squad rotation. So my hunch for this coming game is that Paulinho and I'm going to say either Andre Gomez or Sergio Roberto are going to start alongside even Rakitic. I think that's going to be your three in the midfield. For me, it's probably just looking at substitutes, Paulinho, Andre Gomez, and Rakitic, where I think that if Vidal is not used, Roberto, we've seen him play on that right wing, but as the right back, but because of how far forward the outside backs are being pushed in the Valverde system, Roberto seems to be almost a natural fit there right now. And I think, unfortunately, even though we believe that Roberto is probably at his best, in his very best in the middle, I think he's going to be pushed a little bit out farther just with the glut of midfielders they have. So as I said, I expect to see Paulinho get his first Barcelona start. It seems to be building up to that point with his substitution appearances. But with Paulinho, he hasn't really been bad, though, so far this year. I think Andre Gomez still hasn't had enough minutes to really get an opinion so far if he's found form. And it's, again, too early for him to have found form. But Paulinho has been pretty good in the time that we've seen him. He's been able to push forward at times. And in the pressing that Valverde and Barcelona are doing... That's where Paulinho seems to be comfortable. That's what Brazil does, and that's what Barcelona are doing. And so I think Paulinho is not overstepping his boundaries or his role. I think he just has found immediately where he needs to fit in the system. And so far, I have very little negative to say about Paulinho, so I would expect him to get a start against Hatafe to answer Mike's question. Yeah, I think if Paulinho actually played for a continued amount of time, we would actually see what he's got. Um, I agree with you. He's not done much wrong when he's been on the pitch. Um, I think he's done some right as well, but I think he needs continued playing time in order to show what he really can do. And I really am eager, you know, and expectation is so low with him that anything he does, to be honest, is going to be uh, better than what people sort of initially expected. Um, and coming back briefly to your point about Messi, I think, in a way, I think, I was thinking now, I think I've changed my mind over the years because I always used to say that Messi needs to be rested and... Um, you know, he could burn himself out and all that sort of thought. But actually, by him playing the 90 minutes on the pitch during games, and that's what he likes to do, then he really doesn't train as hard the day after or you sort of don't do the final pachangas, which is the exhibition game or friendly game you play within your squad in training the very next day. And to be honest, that's the seven minutes gone. So I think if Messi wants to play, he's performing at this level, he really enjoys it. There is no need in my eyes now, and this is me changing my mind over the years. I don't think there's much need of uh, for taking him off. But um, it was a great question, so thank you very much. Well, we've got another question from Christo. We thank him again for his many questions, and it's directly related to Messi. We talk again about the extension, and until he signs it, we'll have to continue to talk about him not signing it. And so Christo asks, what does Messi expect or demand before he signs the extension? Is it higher wages? Could it be that he wants additional players to be brought in, but players that he's almost hand-selected in the same way that in the NBA, LeBron James seems to do with the Cleveland Cavaliers, where he says, oh, that's my friend, or that's a player I want, bring him in, where, I mean, I, I don't think with the characteristics of Messi and the personality he has that he is a player and a person that has ever done that with a Barcelona board. You have to ask these kind of questions. What is it that Messi would want if there's something keeping him from signing that extension? What is it and what would a Barcelona board have to do to give him that? In my eyes, Messi wants to win. You know, obviously he needs to be the best paid player in the world because he deserves it. And Barca have to give him that. You know, there's no two ways about it. Um, in terms of, obviously, within, within reason. You know, not doubling his salary like PSGD with Neymar, but within reason, making sure he's paid enough for him to be comfortable here and not to be 
ever tempted to leave. And the only other point I want to make is that Messi wanting to win every single game, he's going to want a, a coach that supports him. Uh, I don't think he's one to be sort of calling out who the club should sign, uh, although the Madrid media seems to call him El Pequeño Dictador, which is the little dictator. I don't think there's any truth in that. Obviously, he may be consulted from time to time, but um, I think all he wants is a strong squad in which he feels comfortable and he knows he's got the potential to win titles. And the final listener question we have is related to an update we also have on the no-confidence vote. Augusti Benedito, he officially collected 3,000 signatures plus against Espanyol. Against Juventus, had a similar number, maybe not as many. And so even if he were to get 3,000 signatures apiece at each match, he would still need about 4,570, as in 4,570, to make up elsewhere. So she's can sign any day, but home matches are obviously the most the most obvious time for Benedito to get those kind of signatures. And he himself has even said that he is not yet optimistic. So Matthew Lazardi is our last listener question today. Does ask even if Benedito were able to get that vote of no confidence, and there was a new board brought in, what potential changes would that mean? Now he asked, what if Benedito was put on a new board? But what would any new board bring in? I mean, that's the whole point. And I think uh, if you let me take this one, Francis, a little bit, it would be that a new board is going to be expected, as I had talked about a few weeks ago, they're going to be expected to be good at the footballing terminology. And they're going to be able to be strong at the negotiation table, not necessarily just as, as lawyers or as businessmen, but in terms of getting the best out of Barcelona as a footballing entity. And that's kind of why this board would be seen negative and why all those deals and negotiations seem to go awry just because you had the wrong people in those seats. So even if you had just a figurehead in the same way that maybe Zinedine Zidane is just a, a figurehead. He's a great legendary player that's known throughout the world. And if you're a, a another sporting director at a smaller club, why would you not? How cool would it be to sit at a table with a legend like Zidane? And I think that's been the whole point with Barcelona too in the, in the past where when they've had legendary players in those kind of positions and while Zubizarreta did kind of you know overstay his welcome and made some bad decisions near the end of his tenure, I mean, he was still a player and a, a then an official and a member of the Barcelona brass who seemed to do well at the negotiation table. Yeah, I think that obviously... 3,000 signatures on, during the first match, it's not a lot. You know, I saw some pictures in social media and there were people queuing up really definitely very enthusiastic and very annoyed with the current board. Um, I, I only want to add on that point that as Catalans, we would like to do things re in a relaxed way, you know, and uh, if you've got a month left to do something, then it's very likely you're going to do it over the last day. Obviously, given the volume of people that are likely to be trying to do that, people may start signing on the second game, but... 3,000 is quite a long way from the 16,500 and a bit that are needed. So I'm not that sure that this is going to succeed. And, and to be honest, I am quite surprised um, at that point. But let's see. Let's see what happens. Now, in terms of the team is winning. So that is obviously if people are undecided, they may tip the balance to say, well, actually, we're winning. Messi is excelling on the pitch. Things are looking up. So let's let's just give him another chance. That could very well happen. Um, on this, I want to say I would never wish for the team's results to be terrible in order to get rid of a board member. Like um, I know some people are feeling that's not definitely something that, that should be right. And going back to the original question, I think uh, a, a man, a, a president, 
a businessman who can lead the club and maintain sort of economic well-being, can link to La Masia and prioritize our own sort of homebred players in order to make the team. And someone who's a good front of house, you know, someone who's approachable, is able to speak to the media and reason, I think is, is all we need. But let's see what happens with this because it may turn out to be nothing in the end. Well, I'll tell you what's not nothing is the new review we have, Frances, this week as we've got one from Blagrana23 on iTunes. Give us five stars. Thank you so much for that. And the review is, when I was younger, I dreamed of creating a podcast that can educate and create discussion through insight, analysis, and opinion to the U.S. market because it simply wasn't talked about enough. The Barcelona podcast has made this a reality. Local-based journalists coupled with a stateside commentator mixes well and provide consistent quality reports on what is happening in the world of FC Barcelona. Highly recommended to veteran Kool-Aids and new Kool-Aids alike. Thank you guys for starting my days off great talking about the club we have all grown to love. Visca Barca. That is fantastic. I haven't read that. That is really good. It looks, <laughs> it looks like I wrote it myself. That is awesome. I, I'm honored. Thank you very, very much. And uh, please keep them coming. tvpod.link forward slash iTunes review. That's tvpod.link forward slash iTunes review. If you think that we're adding some sort of value to your day, um, then definitely hit us up with a couple of lines. That is hugely appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we want to remind you, you also add value to our day when you go to tbpod.link slash ask and you get involved and ask those questions. We had the three listener questions today after the many that Frances did on the earlier show this week. So we've got, again, the Katafe match this weekend, and then we'll be back next week for the two regular shows as normal. So we'll wrap it up. That's all we've got for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon at Forza Barca. Forza! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.